You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Good evening and welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and on the programme tonight we're visiting the beautiful Adair in County Limerick to talk to Chef Wade Murphy about the Eurotalk Young Chef competition. I'm in Mitchellstown in County Cork to find out about the old Butter Roads food trail and when I'm there I meet a number of participants in the initiative including Rupert Atkinson from Longville Beverages, Paddy O'Callaghan from O'Callaghan's Restaurant, John O'Mahony from JJ's Craft Brewery and Joanne Michael Downey from Thatch and Time. I'll also be taking a trip into the heart of my hometown to talk to Rosemary Bennis in Sonus Health Foods about her support of Irish artisan food producers and how that has inspired me to create a new food tour venture. But before all of that, let me tell you how to get in touch with me here on The Best Possible Taste. You can drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. So entry is now open for the Eurotalk Ireland Young Chef of the Year competition and I use that as an excuse to visit award-winning chef Wade Murphy in his restaurant 1826 Adair to find out more about the competition and to catch up with him. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Wait, it's a long time since we've had a chat. You've clocked up a few more awards since then, I'd say. Oh, yeah, just uh, just a couple. Yeah, no, it's um, been a good, I'd say it's about a year since we chatted last. But, uh, yeah, we, we kept our bib from Michelin, which is uh, really good. We picked up the Georgina Campbell Just Ask Restaurant of the Year, sponsored by Borbia. Uh, we won the best restaurant in Limerick, best chef in Limerick for the fourth year. A third year chef, fourth year restaurant, and Elaine picked up the best restaurant manager in Munster in the RAI awards. So yeah, another couple more. You know, we don't we don't go looking for them, and if they, but if they come, we'll we'll take them. You Absolutely, know. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So you're going strong, and something else that you've added to the the restaurant is you do a few special type nights, wine tasting nights. Yeah, like we 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 consciously decided that we we do you know one a season or something like that, and you know. Uh, you, you can do your tasting menus and you can do your paired with wines and all that kind of stuff but what we try to do is actually bring the wine maker over uh, from the vineyard that we, we were doing like just two weeks ago we did a a wine evening meet the winemaker from Fairview in uh, Vineyard uh, Winery in Parl just outside uh, Cape Town and it was really good went really well and plus it was it was kind of really uh, something not kind of special for myself and Elaine because we've actually been to that vineyard twice I was just going to say you, you were in South Africa earlier yeah. this year weren't yeah, you? yeah back in January we went over on our on our holidays our, our yearly yearly break when we closed up in January so uh, yeah we went over some friends of ours who own a restaurant in Cavan came with us and we did a couple of tours of vineyards and stuff like that but uh, we'd, we'd, we'd been to that vineyard before ourselves and they have a lovely restaurant on the side of the vineyard very casual but really really good food they actually make their own goat's cheese and everything like that so when you actually drive into the the fairview vineyard there's a, a big goat tower with a billy goat sat in it and then loads of goats along the side and so the winemaker was just telling me there that recently they just bought the farm right beside them as well but now they rear their own lamb they rear their own beef there's a there was a brewery on site and so they start making their own beers and um so you know it's something that'd be quite close to like how, how we like to, to 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 do things here now we don't have our own farm we don't rear our own beef but it's it's that whole story behind it that we really enjoyed so yeah we we try to do a couple as i say a, couple, a few a year uh we'll do another one 
uh, we're, I, we're hopefully going to I that reminds me I have to email off but I, I we're going to do something for the pig town event where we'll do what uh, we do we do a lot of nose to tail cooking anyway here in the restaurant and using every bit of the animal because I firmly believe that if you if you if you kill an animal to eat it you, that animal deserves to have every part of it which possible used you know so I want to do for the pig town event for for Limerick um a, a, a like a, a tasting menu that every course is just some 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 part of the the pig you know so uh, we we will try to do that again in in September or something like that and then we'll do another couple of wine events but they're always good and you know they're they're different for our regulars you know it's a different evening they get to come in it pushes me to come up with completely new dishes for a, a, a tasting menu and it and, and it's good for the lads in, and girls in the kitchen because they're doing something different that they don't do every other day of the week you know and even though it's like you say it's six courses you know we we 30 40 people here at the last one six courses uh, for 40 people is six by 40 plates so you know it's a bit of work you know so it's like, <laughs> like it, all right. but you mentioned there about not having a farm and a restaurant and a farm is that something that you would like to do I, down I, the line I don't know I, you know the restaurant industry is, is so demanding and being a chef it's you know we're, we're here 70-80 hours a week I don't know where I'd have time to do another 70-80 hours on a farm because I know farming is quite the demanding as well I do a little few bits and pieces here I brought some Wexford strawberry plants up with me this week when I was after a visit down home so we're growing some strawberries we grow herbs and stuff like that out the front of the restaurant you know a little bit like that but full time I, I don't think it either have to be one or the other you know is there uh, any farming blood in you no no absolutely my, my grandmother was from outside the country in, in Wexford now did a small bit of land but even my, my, my dad's parents I, I remember growing up and they always grew their own vegetables they you know they there was always pigs cows whatever you know four or five cows in 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 the field in in sheds and and stuff like that in in the the plot beside their their house but no not full on farming but both sides of my family uh, both my grand sets of grandparents were always into like growing your own and you know i learned how to cook from my grandmother cullen she was the biggest inspiration in my my culinary career like because she was a very very good cook uh, she actually bought me my first ever set of chef's knives, and I still have some of them, you know, all these years later. But no, there's no farming, but there is a there is a a, a, a grow inside me that comes from their love of fresh produce and you know seasonal and things like that. Which I know these are all words that get used and abused as far as I'm concerned. But um, it, it, you know, it's it's seasonal food is a gift from Mother Nature, so you know. I don't want to see somebody serving me asparagus in November, you know. It's while it's nice that they're helping the little Peruvian farmers that are growing these asparagus, you know, you've only got a four or five week window to get asparagus and that's when you should serve it. That's that's just my personal belief and if somebody wants to do that then, you know, that's I'm not knocking them, you know. You talk there about your grandmother inspiring you and you inspire lots of young chefs in your oh, role. I don't know in, about that now. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> in Euro Talk and this time of the year it's the Young Chef of the Year competition is open for entries. Yes, it just opened there uh, earlier this week and we've already got some online entries from some, some people already, which is great. The competition has grown so much in in, in the last few years and, and I'm involved in Eurotalks over 10 years now since I came back from America 
and I've seen the competition just grow and grow and grow and that's you know through various efforts from Ruth who was the Secretary General to Manuela to Caroline to you know a load of people and you know one of the I suppose one of the biggest influences on it as well is um, the fact that Mark Moriarty young Mark won the San Pellegrino World Young Chef of the Year a, a year after winning so that that raised the profile of the the the, the competition uh, immensely um, with the young chefs and through the colleges and stuff like that. So yeah, it's I think I think this year is is going to be the biggest year we've seen. Um, we've made a few changes, a few tweaks, because as, as you know, the bigger it gets, the harder. Because one of the one of the things we felt was a, a you know kind of unfair. Like when everybody does their online uh, entry and this year's team is old school cooking, back to basics, you know, and um, when everybody does their online entry, then they have to uh, put in a written recipe and then they get called for an interview. And in previous years, once you get called for the interview, that's when we whittled it down to the final six. So, you know, even if you had 40 young chefs or 45 young chefs or whatever that had applied for it, there's definitely some good cooks slip through the net at that stage you know and while you try by asking them in the interview you know various questions that you think oh yeah they they, they kind of know what they're talking about it's as i say it's very easy to do a, a good cv and it's very easy to do a, a a good interview it's when it gets down to the nitty-gritty of cooking you know sometimes it, it doesn't happen and and uh, so we felt we felt that um because of that a couple of Good chefs probably uh, slipped slipped through the, the 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 and didn't get through to the final five six and didn't get a chance to cook. So this year, once the interview stage is finished, we're going to pick twelve chefs, twelve young chefs. They will get to cook. Now, what way we're going to get them to cook, or what we're going to get them to cook, uh, we, it's still in the design prog- processes, but it's probably off the top of my head going to be given a classic recipe told to cook it and judged on that and then after those 12 chefs cook and are scored then we'll pick the final six that will get to cook in front of the guest chef that now the guest chef there's a couple of get it hasn't been finalized exactly as to who the guest chef is but it will be a michelin star chef there's a couple of people we're waiting to hear back from so it, it's like last year it was nathan outlaw the year before it was claire smith yeah we've had um Elena Arzak and stuff like that so it will be a big enough profile Michelin star chef and then the winner of the competition gets to do a stage in their restaurant and you know if you're like young Maeve Walsh who was working in she worked in Campania with Gareth and she when she entered the competition last year she was working with Graham Neville now the Commissioner General of Your Talks and um, she won it and she you know she went off and did a stage with Nathan Outlaw and now has got a full-time job in a two-star Michelin restaurant in Nathan's place in Cornwall, it's, you know. so It's just amazing. Is that a dream come true for somebody? In for a young position? chef, a young ambitious chef, yes, absolutely. And if you want to travel, you know, there's lots of perks and there's lots of... there's a lot, You hear a lot of negativity about our, our, uh, our job and our industry right now, you know, with the chef shortage, it's hard to get people, it's long hours. Yes, it's true, you know, but there's lots of benefits to it as well. You know, you get to travel. Someday you might even get to have your own business, you know what I mean? But you have to commit. It's not easy. It is a vocation. And, you know, it, it's for a young, ambitious ambitious, ambitious chef, the uh, Your Talks Young Chef competition is a huge... It, it can be a huge stepping stone for their career. You know, you look at how Mark, he's out in Australia now. He's cooking in Cutler & Co., Kieran Elliott... Uh, one of the year before Mark he's now the sous chef in Per Se for Thomas Keller 
you know, and Maeve is now going working for uh, Nathan Outlaw in his two-star place. So, you know, it does open doors and it's a, it's, it's a great competition to be involved in because you get, you know, once you get past the interview stage and even the days of the interview, you're going to meet other guys coming out of the interview, other guys and girls coming out of the interview and it's like, how do you get on? Where are you working? You know, and it's, it's a great networking thing as well and you get, you get to meet a lot of your peers, you know. Kevin Thornton's been involved in several years in promoting the competition and, you know, on the final day... There's the who's who of chefs in Ireland there, and it's, you know, it's a, a it's a great event. And as I said, as for a young chef, it can be used as a huge stepping stone in their career. You know, you've mentioned a few female chefs there, and there's lots of talk at the moment about the gender balance. Yeah, and yeah. Whenever it comes to awards or events or whatever. If the gender balance isn't there, they are ready to beat your head. They are, you know, and I can, you know, I can see both sides. I'm not, you know, to me, I'm not going to, I've purposely stayed away from commenting on it on social media, on anything like that. I, you know, a lot of these people that are, 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 are voicing their opinions about it are friends of mine and, and stuff, you know. And nobody can say anything to me about gender balance because in, in the in the three years I ran the con- competition as a commissioner general, there was two female chef winners and there was two female chef guest judges. So you know the gender has gone towards the fe- the balance has gone towards the females that way. You uh, never hear the men giving out about that. No, so. no, exactly. But I can see where the girls are coming from, and I can see the side. To me, you're n- when you're in the kitchen, you're not a man or a woman. You're a chef, and that's it you get promoted, you win things, you get whatever because of your work, not of your gender. You get a job here in my kitchen because of your dedication, your commitment, your willingness to learn uh, and stuff like that, not because of of your gender. And to me, whether you're male or female, it's chefs. And, you know, we're all chefs. And that's just my opinion. I don't want to upset anybody about it. I see where they're coming from. If you take a look, Sharon, you're interviewing me here in 1826, Take a look in the kitchen there now. There's two guys, two girls. There's a gender balance for you now. Fantastic. Well done, Wade. Well done. Well, for any young chef then that wants to enter the competition, where's the best place for them to if go you, to get information? Yeah, if you go on, on to the Your Talks website or if you follow Your Talks on, on Twitter or Facebook, uh, E-U-R uh, hyphen T-O-T-O. Q-U-E-S.ie. All the information on the competition is there. At the minute, the only thing you need to do is an online entry, whether that's a photo of a dish that you do using old school cooking methods or whatever. You can plate it whatever way you want. Uh, you know, but the, the, the team is old school, back to basics. Um, and one of the reasons we're doing that is, you know, as, as senior chefs in our industry, you know, when we sat down to, t- to talk about the team of the competition and, you know, there was Graham Neville, Garrett Mullen, Paul Kelly, loads of people involved in the interview. And one of the things that we've, we've, we all commented on is a lot of the young chefs coming through today, whether it's from college or other recipes or other restaurants or anything like that, are able to tell you how long you can sous vide an egg for to get it cooked, but they aren't able to tell you how to make a fish stock. You know, so one of the reasons that we've picked this t- team is, is, is so that, you know, back to basics, all culinary knowledge comes from a certain basic training and a certain basic level. You can go off into whatever tangents you want then and dehydrate this and dehydrate that and sous vide this and sous vide that. But it's known how to make a good fish stock, known how to cook a piece of meat, you know, without sticking it in a backpack bag and putting it in a water bath. Uh, and fill it a piece of fish. That's what that's what we're looking for. That's what we're trying to promote this year with the competition. And you know, so 
whether so it's a social media entry then you fill in your online entry which will be your submitted recipe you have to come up with a recipe of old school cooking back to basics uh, or old school back to basics and um, and then you'll hear from 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 uh, Manuela or Pamela in the office but it's yeah yourtalks.ie you'll get all the information there tell me if you were a young chef and you were entering this year what back to school entry recipe would you be putting in? I don't know because a lot of mine are old school recipes anyway when you're, you're my spoiled, age you're <laughs> <for> <laughs> when you're my age now I do use a bit of modern techniques and, and stuff like that and I do use a bit of water batten and, and, and things and a spoon of guns and all that kind of stuff but uh, you know all, all mine are pretty old school kind of uh, combinations I, you know I'm a firm believer of it, it's a classic for a reason you know you can put your own twist on it but Horseradish goes with beef, you know, the simple as, you know, and, and stuff like that. But uh, um, I don't know. I, do you know what? I, I, I've always said it over the years of judging this competition that I'd find it daunting to go. And, you know, especially on the final day and I see the, the six young chefs and they're so nervous. Yet they're so focused as well. Like, and they, they, you know, they've got their, they've done their practice. But, you know, like even last year, Nathan Outlaw, he's six foot two or six foot three. And he's a big man. You know, I got one of his bear hugs off him and he nearly broke my back. You know, but uh, he's a big guy. And to see that and everybody just looking at you, I'd find it quite daunting. But, uh, you know, a lot of people thrive on that kind of competition um, and stuff. But it's it's good. And it, it makes, for me this year, the, the, the team makes the guys rethink. And why does this go with it? Where did it come from? You have to do a bit of research. It's not it's not as simple as putting a piece of meat in a water bath and serving it with whatever. So it's no, it's it's good and it's a, it's a great team and it's it's kind of it's current within the our industry that you know a lot of people need to go back to back to basics and 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 learn the basics properly and then then you can move on you know i could do with a few lessons of the basics myself <laughs> maybe i might be starting some uh, during the winter season i might be starting some classes here you never know <laughs> sign me up well best of luck with the, the competition i look forward to keeping an eye on its progress and, yeah and hopefully the, it'll be, be the different really stages in it i think it'll be the biggest year yet you know thanks for talking to me about no problem pleasure as always you're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by the Taste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, I was in 1826 a day catching up with chef patron Wade Murphy. And we had a chat about the Eurotalk Young Chef competition. And Wade referred to the Pigtown Festival. And just to let you know that there's lots of events being hosted in September and October all over Limerick City and County as part of that festival. And if you visit pigtown.ie... All the programme details and the schedule of events will be published there when they're available. If you're just tuning in and you want to catch up with the best possible taste, it's repeated on West Limerick 102 FM on Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And it's also on the taste.ie website, voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. Still to come tonight, I'm in Mitchellstown enjoying a culinary extravaganza that was staged as part of the old Butter Roads food trail. But next, we're going to my hometown of Newcastle West to meet Rosemary Bennis in Sonus Health Foods to talk about her support of Irish artisan food producers. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. 
Rosemary, the reason I popped in today is because you're a great supporter of Irish artisan projects. People might not be aware of that, that you actually have a really extensive range of handmade, locally sourced products here in the shop. Yeah, that's a good point. Thanks, Sharon. Um, yeah, I think there might be a perception that the health shop is just for when you're not well, which I was, you know, always challenge. It's, it's a sort of a wellness shop, actually. That's the way I look at it. And yeah, we do try to stock and source as much really good quality um, produce that's as local as we can. We don't have the same selection that maybe some places in West Cork might have, but we do have a really nice network of people and suppliers at this stage. Yeah. Have you extended the range since you moved from your previous location onto the square? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And our the, the fresh produce um, and the shorter shelf life, it works a lot better now because we're seeing more people with more visible central location. So yeah, we are. And also it gives us, because we have more, yeah, we have more footfall, we're, we're trying more things. So it's great. Well, let's start with the fresh produce because you have the fridge here and it is very well stocked with lots of products which come from very nearby, for example, the leaves. Yeah, that's right. But we've, we've, we've had a long-term relationship with the Organic College in Drunkholaher. They were, they're a really pioneering college. Um, there's an interesting history, people will know it, of it being the, the founding place of the cooperative movement years ago. And that's like fed into the whole dairy cooperative culture. But then an offshoot of that in the 90s, late 80s, 90s, um, was the setting up of the Organic College, which is open to all sorts of students, either you know, school leaving or mature or part-time, and you can do it online, distance course, so it's really interesting. And um, second-year students, as part of their project, they actually have what's called an enterprise year, and they have an acre where their, their, their remit is to make it a commercial garden. So we deal with them, and they supply us with a variety of things. Sometimes um, maybe not as much as we'd like, but that that's just perishable goods it's just tricky to stock at all but we what we consistently do is the kale spinach mixed salad leaves and um, they go really well now people love it once you get onto them you won't go back the flavor and the taste and the, the way they hold so fresh well is beautiful. I, I definitely would agree with you there about the shelf life of them because they're in a bag but it's not one of those pre-sealed bags and I, I think they do last much longer in the fridge than the other supermarket bags yeah, do. they do they do and they're not chlorine washed which is pretty pretty important Absolutely, and people don't yeah. realise that actual soft leaves are very very highly treated um, thicker skin plants are less treated or at least less of it goes into the part we eat mm. but um, yeah so the freshness is, go- is, is great and the taste and flavour and you get nasturtium flowers and marigold flowers so it's lovely yeah and one of the alumni from there is Jean McCormick, who has J Farm and Arda. She was on the programme recently, and you stock some of their products as well. We deal with them also, especially in the summer when there's less produce available from the Organic College if students are away. So we're delighted to work with Jean and John, who have the farm in Arda, and they do beautiful produce. We've just got strawberries, which is really niche for summertime, unsprayed, un- in perfect in every way, um, charred. They're mixed leaves again, and certain herbs as well. So we have a nice, fresh range of produce. It's lovely. Lovely. And Curachias then, Caroline Rigney in Curachias, you have her free-range pork in the fridge. I do, and that's something that I only started doing when I was here. Um, I didn't really stock meat products before, um, not out of any particular ethical reason, but it was just more the the, the passing traffic and the demand. Um, But I know Caroline and Joe well, and um, they run a fabulous business. They have their own rare breed pigs um, on their their farm at Curachias. 
and they just have really, really high standards. They're fantastic farmers, and their produce is second to none. People might know it from the different markets they supply, the stole and Killaloo, but, um, and some people would have gone to them, they used to operate a farm shop, but now we get it here, we get their black pudding, their white pudding, their rashers, and um, yeah, it's fantastic quality, absolutely beautiful. And because they have the B&B then, they were making a granola there that their guests were always asking for the recipe for, so Caroline now does that on a commercial basis. Exactly, that's the link, exactly, why <laughs> the link between the pork farmer and the granola. Yeah, she's um, a dynamo in the kitchen and a very ambitious good entrepreneur and she saw a niche and she makes a beautiful granola which is really beautifully packaged as Rigney's granola Um, and it's very niche actually it's very very high quality the granola market is quite full at the moment but I think this one has a real place in it Um, she does um, it's actually naturally gluten free the oats are certified gluten free and it's also much higher in nut seeds um, desiccated fruit you know, other bits and bobs than just the oats so you get a lot of munch and crunch you know in it yeah it's a beautiful product and there's a couple of different flavours she does there. two flavours yeah one, one I call it with, I call more or less original with goji berries and then there's another one cinnamon flavoured so we sell um, that here to showcase it actually we started doing yoghurt and granola pots just as a little kind of light breakfast option or a light lunch option here and now and we have the granola on the shelf as well and then cheese, you have O'Brien's cheese, and I love the O'Brien's cheese story because Jim O'Brien came up with the idea of making cheese because one of his sons had had to emigrate because of the recession and he wanted to do something on the farm that would create employment. I know, another go-getting great man, he's brilliant and, and very unassuming about it, but they've gone from strength to strength in no time at all, they're only a couple of years in the market, really lovely, um, beautiful cheese, they do a variety of mature cheddar flavoured cheddars they do a feta style um, they've just yeah they're going from strength to strength so we are delighted to stock their range and then Green Apron Teresa Story she has a range of products jams chutneys pickles mustards that you stock that's right yeah Teresa is a long time in the business and is an award winning preserve maker and jam maker um, based in Ballingarry she comes from a tradition of preserving and, 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 and making use of nature's bounty that's kind of her heritage so she's made it her business so she's constantly either making jam or pickling or preserving and she has a stall in the milk market every weekend very well known now so um, beautiful quality her raspberry jam is a prize winner her apple jelly people love and she does kind of niche you know Christmas time things or gooseberry chutneys at the moment different things and she's also branching out into teas and um, has lots of plans for her own place in Ballingarry so we love her range it's really nice last year Teresa brought a book out for it in the tea which you also stock and it came third this year in the World Gourmand Cookbook Awards in China which is a huge achievement yeah yeah no she's great and it's a fantastic book it's very specialised as well so there's a lot of cook you know the cookbook world is crammed as well but this is a niche you know how to how to how to preserve your your, your fruit and veg really and very good beautiful to look at and very very clear so yeah well done to her and then the final example that we're going to talk about today is a raw milk that comes from Croom. This is a very unusual product. I know, I know it is. Like a lot of the listeners to the show, or the, certainly the, her, the ancestors of the listeners to the show, would remember, you know, you had your milk at home from the cows and it was never pasteurised, whatever else was sent off to the co-op. But um, now it's, uh, it's what's called raw. It doesn't actually, I actually don't like the term because it sounds unappealing. It just means that it hasn't been heated, um, technically under 42 degrees means something is raw so there's a kind of a raw food movement and it's all about preserving the enzymes and the intrinsic um, compounds in the food that actually make it digestible so it's very interesting 
So I guess, without getting into a kind of political thing about it, um, there was a real need for pasteurisation back in the day for safety and contamination. Um, and now, as standards have so much improved, especially in our part of the world, you can very safely have milk that's not pasteurised. And what it means is it's not heat treated, so it's not denatured in, in, in its, its core compound, and therefore it's more digestible. So we find that um, some people who find they cannot tolerate regular dairy milk, they get congested or they get stomach pains or even just kind of vague symptoms, but they know they're better without it, they can tolerate uh, unpasteurised or raw milk much better because it's a little bit like nature gives you things in its whole form when you don't mess around with it and the digestibility itself is in the product and the enzymes and cultures in it itself help you to digest it so it's an interesting product in that way it's also it's very creamy really cream rich um, high protein as well uh, looks lovely you know it's got that creamy that old style kind of yellowy creamy tinge to it um, we love it and we deal with um, John uh, Liston, who's in Dyson Farm in uh, outside Croom, and uh, he's great. He's part of the Little Milk Cooperative, which is a very pioneering group of organic farmers who are constantly pushing and looking for very niche areas to market their products and cheese and uh, milk products. And uh, he delivers to us fresh, and we keep it frozen if we don't have it fresh. And something that I always wanted to do in Newcastle West was a food tour, and people would say to me sure what's in Newcastle West but whenever I came in and I talked to you and kind of looked around there actually is quite a lot here and together we have collaborated and you're a major player in the Newcastle West food tour and the next one's on the 20th of July. That's right that's right we just had the pilot one last week it went really well and you know it's a great idea because all it is in a sense is just pulling together what's already there and you know showing that actually yes we do have really interesting places of interest very interesting food producers and it's sure everyone loves to eat and everyone loves to taste and everyone loves a bit of local info and know-how so it's tying all those elements together so it's great I mean we have um, you know off the shop here we love to highlight produce so it's great we had a little taster of the raw milk and coffee we had a little taster part of the Rigney's granola um, a taste of the apple juice from Atty Flynn that's another supplier and then um, the tour went on to have a look in the square, have a, um, a little talk in the banqueting hall in the castle, which a lot of us never even get to, and um, and a really wonderful lunch in Cronin's highlighting not even, not some local food and then just good Irish produce. So it was a really lovely day, or slot, shall we say, and it's great that it's going to go ahead. Yeah, so the next one, as I say, is on Thursday, the 20th of July, and if people are interested in finding out more about it, all the details are on my website, SharonNoonan.com, and they can book online as well. So I shall be back before then, Rosary, just to, to make the final arrangements for it. And thanks for talking to me today, and thanks for being such a great supporter of Produce artisan food products throughout Ireland, and especially here on our doorstep in West Limerick. Thank you, Sharon. Pleasure. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. 
Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was talking about artisan Irish food with Rosemary Bennis in my hometown of Newcastle West and I hope some of you will join me on my food tour on Thursday the 20th of July. Visit SharonNoonan.com for all the details. If you are just tuning in, you can catch up with Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 9am. The podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And it's also on the taste.ie website, voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. Now, the last part of the show tonight features a number of guests who I met during a food and wine extravaganza in Mitchellstown in County Cork recently. The town is part of the Old Butter Roads Initiative, which has seen a number of food producers, eateries and visitor attractions collaborate with one another to celebrate the range of foods grown and produced in the area. The day started at the magnificent Ballinwillen House, home to the Mulcahy family and their farm where they keep deer, wild boar, goats and a multitude of other animals. And there we enjoyed wines from the family vineyard in Hungary and the first course of the day was prepared by Joanne McEldowney from Thatch and Time, who I spoke to a along with Rupert Atkinson from Longville Beverages, Chef Paddy O'Callaghan and John Mahoney from JJ Craft Brewery. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Rupert, tell us what you do at Longville House. Um, so I look after the uh, sales and marketing for the cider and the brandy. Um, I used to work front of house for William um, and he asked me about a year and a half ago to do more with the sales and marketing uh, for the cider and the brandy. Um, they never really had uh, somebody working exclusively in sales and marketing for the cider and the brandy and the first thing I noticed that uh, we needed to do more brand awareness, uh, attending festivals, attending local events like these, uh, supporting the local community because um, William is a great supporter of locally produced and um, uh, of the local community as well. So. For the last year and a half, I've been attending festivals, uh, Litfest, Bloom, uh, Taste of Dublin, Cork's Long Table Dinner, just getting brand awareness, getting our name out there, uh, shouting about the product, telling the, the story of Longaville House uh, and the story of the, the cider and the brandy. Well, tell us the story about Longville House and specifically about the, the cider and the brandy. Okay, so I can't tell you about the, uh, the cider and the brandy without telling you a little about Longville House. Uh, in 2020, actually, Longville House is 300 years a house, uh, 50 years a hotel. Um, William's father, um, in 1985, uh, a very passionate man about brandy Calvados Cognac, uh, he planted the first vineyards here in Ireland. Nobody had ever actually tried to um, grow grapes here in Ireland before that. Um, and at the same time as he planted all the vineyards, he planted all the orchards. And uh, William and his dad then have been making the cider and the brandy ever since. So we're 30 years making the cider and the brandy. We only use uh, cider apples, traditional heritage heirloom cider apples, uh, which are much tartar, uh, not as sweet uh, as uh, cook and eaten or dessert apples. Um, our cider would be all natural, no chemicals, additives or preservatives. It's gluten free, sulfate free, uh, and the only sugars are naturally occurring sugars. This results in a very clean, crisp, refreshing cider, a real thirst quencher in the summer heat um, and pairs really well uh, with food as cider apples are like wine are quite high in tannins uh, they're able to handle and cut through the fats and spices in food very very
very easily. Longville House then is a particularly special place to go and dine in because it has some unusual characteristics if you're there to enjoy a meal. Longville House is phenomenal. It's very unique. Um, William uh, grows all his own fruit and veg. He rears his own sheep and pigs uh, for use in the hotel and it's fabulous. I I think Sunday lunch is a great uh, showcase for the hotel as all of William's, uh, or quite a lot of William's signature starters will be on the buffet table where you can try everything. He cooks the lamb, the pork or the venison in front of the open fire in the drawing room. Um, as guests arrive for lunch, they're greeted by the smells and the aromas of the joint cooking in front of the fire. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, the desserts are, are all small taster size portions there could be eight or ten different desserts uh, plus the farmhouse cheeses Uh, it's just a great showcase of what uh, Longville House is doing and producing and he's been cooking like that for over 20 years Uh, it's 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 fantastic well worth a visit and you do a lot of different events throughout the year as well, like foraging, for example. Yes, we do the, the mushroom hunt. Uh, w- William would be an active forager uh, going through the, the woods, um, the, the parklands of the estate, uh, looking for various different plants, herbs, all for use in the kitchen. It's, it's fantastic. And uh, the, if you get the, the chance to uh, attend one of the mushroom hunts, it's fantastic it's really really good and there's other events there is there like the dawn chorus for example there's the dawn chorus walks it's a year on year yes Uh, be getting up at four o'clock in the morning going out uh, bird spotting listening to the to the morning dawn chorus Uh, it's fantastic Um, they do an awful lot of charity events an awful lot of uh, uh, dining experiences Uh, the the seven course tasting menu is a, a fantastic event to uh, and that would be on uh, nearly every night of the week for the hotel guests and non-residents as well. But fantastic, locally produced, home-grown, home-cooked uh, quality uh, food. It's, it's. I know we shouldn't mention the Christmas word, but they do um, a lot of Christmas type they events. They do, the ladies shopping night, yeah, cocktails, yeah. credit cards and canopies. What can possibly go wrong? <laughs> um, yes, the, the whole ground floor of the hotel and many of the bedrooms turn into a mini department store with boutiques, uh, pop-up boutiques, where you can do uh, the majority of your Christmas shopping, not worry about car parking, um, from uh, jewelry to cosmetics to uh, handbags, shoes, clothes, it is absolutely fantastic. Well worth a visit. And you're there in hand to help them carry all their purchases um, out. I, I, I'd be there to, to help them pour the cocktails, pour the cider, top them up with the brandy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's in terms of the future for Longville, you have your cider, you have your brandy. Are there any plans to diversify the drinks range? Uh, well, William has the, the new Longville Moor. It's a fortified cider. It's uh, I would see it as an evolution. Uh, the cider uh, is our base product. We double distill that to make the brandy. And then we combine the two to make the Longville Moor. The Longville Moor would be what's known as a fortified cider. It's 8%. It's that bit stronger. But it's fantastic. It's more well-balanced. It's more well-rounded there's more taste there's more flavour there's more character you get the idea there's just more and probably and less that. is more if you're out for a night yes, drinking yes, it yes yeah well you could have three <laughs> ciders uh, or one bottle of more and if you have one bottle of more you have less of a, a tummy uh, or a beer belly or a cider belly whatever you want to call it 
How important is it to Longville House to be part of the Old Butter Trails? Oh, it's 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 a fantastic. I mean, the Old Butter Roads Food Trail is is a local grown grassroots initiatives by the producers, by the eateries, for the producers, for the eateries. Um, it's for too long, uh, Mallow, Mitchellstown, McCroom, Blarney has been forgotten about as food destinations. People have been driving the uh, motorway, bypassing uh, these small towns, uh, which were market towns in their day, um, continuing on into Cork, out to West Cork, out to East Cork, where they would have their food identities and we very much have been forgotten about and uh, I mean Cork was known uh, as the the bread basket of Ireland we were the main producers of food uh, uh, for the Irish people in our day Um, at the moment Ireland produces enough food to feed 30 million people Uh, by 2025 I believe Borbia want that uh, increased uh, to 50 million people so so yes, we are fantastic at what we do. We have an incredible uh, array of local producers producing quality artisan products uh, and the restaurants are shouting and showcasing our products and that's what it's all about. It's about supporting local and supporting each other. You're absolutely right. And listen, thanks so much for the tastings today. They were wonderful. Thank you very much and uh, feel free to come visit us more often. Paddy, tell us a bit about O'Callaghan's here in Mitchellstown. So O'Callaghan's is a family-run restaurant. Um, we're 29 years open last February. Um, I'm the head chef here five years. Um, Mum and Dad started in 1988. Um, we've a staff of over 25. And whenever it comes to the menu, it's very much about sourcing local ingredients from local suppliers. Yeah, we try and keep um, most of our produce is um, all Irish and all locally sourced. Um, we try and make everything in-house, so it's all um, homemade, freshly made every day. You have a lovely menu on today for the old Butter Roads food trail. Just talk us through what you've served up. Yeah, so we have um, our O'Callaghan's chicken liver pate with melba toast and red jelly. And then we have a crispy sesame salmon cake with lemon mayo and tomato coriander salsa. And then we have a small caprese salad of macroon buffalo mozzarella and tomato and basil. Somebody tells me that the recipe for the pate is a very old one. Yeah, the recipe, um, it's a belimlu, which Mam got down there when she was um, doing a few classes. And um, it's the same pate recipe we've used in the last 29 years, so it's uh, one of the most popular dishes. Do you credit your mother with your love of cooking? Yeah, definitely. She would um, say I was brought up on her knee and um, in the kitchen from day one, so... um, yeah, it's all going well. In addition to hands-on training here, did you go off and study somewhere? Yeah, so I, I did culinary in um, WIT, so it was a two-year course, and then um, I got a scholarship to Johnson & Wales in Rhode Island, uh, just a three-month um, three scholarship, um, and then I've worked in Nash 19 in Cork, and um, I was in Perth in Australia for a while as well, and I worked in a few restaurants there. I always ask chefs, do they feel it is it is very important to get out and about and travel a bit and see a bit of the world and get experience overseas? Oh, definitely, yeah. I love my time in Perth. Um, I worked in a, an Italian fine dining and a French steakhouse, and they were great for um, here. A lot different because I did nighttime over there rather than here as a daytime. Um, so, yeah, it was a great experience. And when you yourself are off, where do you like to go to eat? Um... One of my favourites would be Cork City and um, Nash 19, obviously, where I, I did a lot of training and I know Claire very well. Um, also, Fishy Fishy and Kinsale would be a favourite. Um, 
Shea Hens and Cashel, which is very good as well. Um, yeah, there's a, f- a few around. All great recommendations for, for people to visit. You're part of the old Butter Roads Trail. How important is it to you to be involved in an initiative like that? Oh, definitely. Um, it's all about s- supporting local businesses, sourcing Irish food, um, local food. So we're thrilled to be uh, members and hopefully it'll go from strength to strength. Well, best of luck for a busy summer season. I've certainly enjoyed all the tastings here today and thanks for talking to me. Thanks very much. John, JJ's Craft Brewing, tell us where you're based. We're based in Kilmallock, County Limerick. And what sort of beers are you making there? Well, we have four main beers. We have an IPA and we have a lager, a red ale and a stout. What's an IPA? It's a stronger type of beer. It's, it's an Indian pale ale is the original uh, recipe. That's what it originated. Like a lager? Like a lager, yeah. Like a lager. But a bit stronger, if you know what I mean. And how long have you been making beer in Kilmallock? Roughly since 2015. But it's been a slow process and uh, we're gradually getting there, like, you know, but we're, we're, uh, it takes a bit of time to get established, if you know what I mean. But The craft beer industry in Ireland is, is experiencing a bit of an explosion at the moment. So where are you stocked in the country? Well, we're stocked a lot of the local restaurants and pubs, hotels around. We've been well supported and a lot of the local super values and centres. So we have a quite a good spread, but we're, we're hoping for more. Who's your target market? The target market would be anyone that would enjoy a drink and would enjoy a, a bit of quality, if you know what I mean. And, and So we're, we're open to all ages, like, but preferably, I suppose, from mid-twenties to forties or that you know that would be our targeted market but we're open to everybody and if you had to describe your beers how would you describe them in terms of the taste and the flavours what ingredients do you use for example well we use the best of ingredients and uh, we've we've perfected uh, we said a great brewing technique temperature wise uh, temperature control and, and yeast and all of that fermentation so uh, we're big into the engineering side of it. That's where our three backgrounds are from. So we're big into that end of it. So know. there's yourself and two others. Who and are two the two other, others? Uh, John Coughlin and Jim Lynch are the main two guys. And they do the, most of the brewing in that. So it really should be JJJs. It should, yeah, but I'm a late. Because <laughs> <laughs> they rounded me up for sales. So that's why I'm out here promoting the, the products, you know. And I see that you offer a visitor experience over in Kilmallock. We do, yeah. We offer a visiting, come and see the brewing, come and see where it started. We have a little microbrewery where it all started. That's where we do our trials. And then we have our bigger brewery. And uh, we have a nice bar facility where people can come and taste the, the beers. And we also have one of our ladies, Mary, uh, John's wife, she cooks bread from the stout and uh, which includes the stout and the beers which are quite tasty you know and we have some local cheeses and stuff as nibbles so tours would be more than welcome and anyone that has come has been more than satisfied with their experience it sounds like a lovely visitor experience it a is and you get a bottle of your choice when you're heading off just to take some of the experience home with you and do you find is it tourists that are coming to visit you well we have some tourists we have to- we have some French people have come, some Americans, some Australians even have visited. You know, it's a broad, it's a broad mix, like, you know, even the school, the local school uh, 
transition year have come for a visit, not a taste now, just a visit and to experience the, just the, the, the whole brewing setup, you know. Out of all the different beers you have then, what has proved to be the most popular one on the market? It's funny, uh, some beers go well in one area and some people, you know, it's, our lager now is, um, is being proven quite popular, but some people didn't prefer the red ale, you know. Um, if people want to get in touch with JJ's or find out where you're stocked, where's the best place for them to go? Well, you can go onto our website and we have a Facebook page and stuff, so we're, we're well out there in the modern technology. We have a lot to do on the marketing side of it and promoting it, like, but... We hope to get there, you know, eventually, you know. Well, it's great to meet you, and thanks so much for the tasting, and best of luck with it. Not a bother. Joanne, the thatch and thyme in Kildare, it's a bit of a hidden gem. It is, so people seem to tell me, even though we don't want it to be hidden too much. But, um, yeah, we're open here four, year, four years next week. So um, it started off as a community development project, so the local community developed the building, and I leased the cafe from them. So um, we're open for breakfast, lunch, and we've also started doing an early bird once a month. So it's going well. We're busy. We're busy. The area might not be particularly well known to, to people, so just, just well, describe where in Ireland we are at well, the moment. Well, we're, we're in North Cork. Um, the best way to describe it is we're on the main road between Mal and Mitchellstown, so a little village called Kildari. We're the only restaurant on the main street. Um, it's a thatch cottage, hence the name Thatch and Time. And um, it's a busy road, yeah. We get a lot of kind of people passing, tourists and things like that. So, and people who tend to stop once tend to come back again. So, look, we're um, we're getting better known. It's good. It's very interesting that you say that it started out as a community project. Yeah, we're very lucky here. We've got a very very strong community. There's a community development group. They're a limited group, and they took on this building as a project. Um, originally, it was just going to be. Um, a canteen for kind of there's a lot of false workers and things in the village who keep the um, tidy towns going because you probably saw yourself coming in it's beautiful and it's really well kept so it started off as a canteen and then it kind of developed into maybe they'll open a little coffee shop um, I came to see it and um, they were asked me to help them lay out the kitchen and I fell in love with it when I came here so it kind of snowballed from there and four years later I'm still here so it's good. You're not from this actual village but you're not from a million miles No, away. no, I came here for love. My husband is from Kildare so um, I'm only from the next village from, from Glanworth but there'd be fierce rivalry between the two villages but look I'm nearly a Kildare woman now I hate to say it but look that's the way it is so... So you're a chef, restaurateur, so you do all the cooking yourself? We do, we do. Now, look, I've great staff, and at the beginning, um, I kind of did I did all the cooking myself. Now, when you come in this morning, I'm up to my elbows and baking, but um, we do, we make everything homemade here. So, um, And I was very lucky before this. I was in um, O'Callaghan's and Mitchestown, and they would have done a lot of baking and stuff, and Mary was great, and um, I would have got a lot of inspiration from her. So, um, yeah, yeah, I started off chefing. I'm probably 15 years chefing now at this stage. Um, I worked a good bit around Ireland, mostly around Cork, and then travelled a little bit. And then, as I said, fell in love and came home and started a family. And this seemed like an ideal opportunity then to open up my own place. When you were travelling, do you find that you get inspiration when it comes to recipes and menus? Definitely, definitely, yeah. Look, I um, I worked in London for a year. Um, the English food is it can be very similar to here. I found Australia great for inspiration. There's such a mix of nationalities and mix of foods and things that I wouldn't really been familiar with kind of Lebanese and stuff like that so it's nice and we do a lot of vegetarian stuff here um, 
and different salads and stuff like that and it would have got an awful lot of inspiration from Australia from all that kind of thing. You've lots of fabulous <coughs> ingredients from mm. around this region and you were part of the old Butter Roads food trail yesterday. Yes. Tell us what you cooked up for us yesterday. So we did two dishes yesterday. We um, we were cooking in Ballinamillan so I did one of his um, one of his venison dishes so we did a bourguignon so we were very lucky. I went out there's a mushroom farm in um, Ballyperine and I got mushrooms from them. There's a local guy that gives us bacon and um, I did it with polenta for a change just for something different um, and my second dish then was a goat's cheese fritter so we use Bluebell Falls goat's cheese in the restaurant all the time so Victor um, came in and gave me some goat's cheese and we did a little fritter with some local honey there's a lady down the road who's got beehives so we got honey from her and I have also have a, excuse me, a supplier in the restaurant who gives me um, lettuce so we did a little salad with walnuts and what else? Pickled cabbage and apple. And it was lovely. It's nice. I loved both of those dishes, but I really liked having the polenta with the bourguignon. It's a bit different. Something what, different. What was the reaction from other people? Because I'd say a lot of the people there had never had Some people said to me, your before. mashed potato was lovely. And I said, it wasn't actually <laughs> mashed potato. As I said to you, I'm chefing with 15 years and I'd say it must be millions the number of spuds I've cooked at this stage working in Ireland. So it's just nice sometimes to have something different. And I think a day like yesterday, that's what it was about, you know, it's an opportunity to try something different that you wouldn't normally have. And it's nice. We did it with um, <coughs> loads and loads of butter, which is all, always goes down well, and some fresh parmesan and, yeah, something different. Yeah, it was delicious and, mm. and, as I say, a bit different. And I think it's nice whenever you're attending events like that to get the opportunity to taste something that you maybe haven't tasted And try before. something new. Exactly, try something yeah. new. Now, we use it a little bit in the restaurant. More, actually, is a kind of vegetarian main course. Um, sometimes, we, you know, you set it and fry it. But, yeah, we just did a soft polenta now yesterday, and it was nice, something different. What are the most popular dishes here in the restaurant? It's kind of seasonal a lot. At the moment now, um, we have a big salad counter and the salads are flying out the door with a little bit of good weather, which is great. But we can't, we change our menu every day. So we um, we, we have kind of um, a standing part of the menu that are all our sandwiches and soups and chowders and things like that. And then we put on um, four specials every day. So look, it keeps it different for our customers and it keeps it different for me and my staff that we're not getting the same things ready every day. And that also gives you an opportunity to kind of, if I come in today and it's absolutely lashing rain, I say, maybe maybe not go with all salady stuff and veer towards more a stew or something like that so um yeah yeah it's nice but i suppose it, dep- it depends um we always you kind of have to know your audience as well we'll always have one kind of plain dish for people who aren't too adventurous but um and we get loads of we've um fish on fresh fish every day so my delivery just came in there i can hear him behind me um so we fresh hake on today and that's always very popular the fish how important is being part of the old butter roads trail to you and your business it's well, look, anything that you can expose yourself is good for business. But I think for my business personally, it's actually helped open my eyes to what's around me. You know, um, even doing out the menu yesterday, you say, OK, I really, really was conscious of trying to get everything that I could locally. And that's when you start meeting suppliers, building, building relationships with suppliers, which is brilliant. And they will ring me the next day. Victor, who had the goat's cheese, was telling me yesterday about a new product that's coming on. And it gives you a chance to... Um, you know, to see what's around you. Even yet, where we were in Ballinwillen yesterday, I was just blown away by it. I thought, you know, if we were in France or Italy, people would be saying, oh my God, isn't it amazing? And to have it on our doorstep and to get people to know what we have. And I think 
you know, we, we all have to work together. We're not really a well-known region for food, but you can see that there is really, really good food in the region and it's, we need to start screaming and shouting and get people to know about it. Absolutely. It was wonderful food yesterday. Thanks so much for making those two wonderful dishes. Oh, no problem. And congratulations on four years, did you say? or five? Four years four next years. week. Four years next week. Well, I hope you enjoy the celebrations. I will. I will. A night off, maybe. <laughs> Great Thank to talk you. to you. Thanks you too. <laughs> bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. A fantastic trip to Mitchellstown, so be sure to put it on your to-do list. Thanks so much for listening in tonight. And to my guests, Wade Murphy, Rosemary Bennis, Joanne McElderney, Rupert Atkinson, Paddy O'Gallaghan and John O'Mahony. If you've missed any of tonight's show or you want to listen to previous shows of the best possible taste, be sure to check them out on SharonNoonan.com. Until next week, have a good one, look after yourself and bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org. As in, Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit.